Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Changeover Tennis Podcast. Here again, as normal, with Ben. I'm Ben, and uh, Evan. Evan, very nice to be with you here this evening here in Germany, afternoon slash morning, your time. Um, yeah, we've got a great podcast lined up for you today. It's going to be a little bit more abbreviated, um, so we're going to try and jump through a lot of points. We're going to be taking a look at the results in Dubai and Acapulco. We're also going to mix in some excellent, very sensational trivia, and we're going to be doing an outlook on Miami. And for all you 90 individual listeners out there, we will, of course, be declaring a new moldy take of the week champ so make sure you stick around for that one with that being said yeah so yeah we're up to i think a total of you know over 10 plays on last week's episode like i said we've got 90 individual takes new goals to get us to 100 so if you are out there especially if you are family and friends which is most of you but i think there's like three of you who are not family and friends maybe don't even know us which is great we're, we're all for that you know don't feel free to give us a rating or um subscribe to change over tennis podcast on any platform of your choice so we're going to be jumping straight into trivia for dubai so we're going to do trivia for both dubai and acapulco evan how are you doing you feeling ready today i'm feeling pretty good i just finished my first cup of coffee here so <laughs> i'm ready to do some trivia i'm locked in very good let's dive right into it Okay, first trivia question related to the Dubai tournament. In 2008, Andy Roddick, yes, you guessed it, won the Dubai title. (laughs) Can you name three of the four players he beat in that tournament when he won? Oh my goodness, three of the four in <laughs> 2008? <laughs> the hint is two, okay. two of them are more obvious than you'd think. The other two are really not. Okay. Well, okay, so 2008, three of the four. So I'm guessing they're, they're big names. That would have been Roger Federer. Incorrect. Um, okay. Uh, I got to guess either Djokovic or Nadal. Those are I, both correct. Oh, both of them? Both of them are correct. So I got three, right? No, Federer was incorrect. So now you need... Oh, Federer's incorrect. Sorry, incorrect on Federer. You need one more name now. Oh, okay. In this, I, I will give you a hint. Okay. They are from Spain. Oh, okay. Um, Both of the remaining players you could guess are from Spain. Oh, both of them. Okay. I'm going to go David Ferrer. False. Dang it. Oh, okay. <laughs> How about Verdasco? Uh, that's a really good one, but also false. Dang it. Oh, I know he's peaking right around that time. Uh, that's a good guess. So Spanish players. Uh, was um, was Tommy Robredo still playing? He might have been, but he is not the answer. I can I can give it to okay. you if you want. Gonzalez? No, but also good. Ah, it's Feliciano it. Lopez. He beat in the final. Lopez. Lopez, yeah. Of course, the other ancient uh, Spaniard. Exactly. Um, <laughs> then the, I think the guy he beat in the first round was Juan Carlos Ferrero at the time. Oh, Ferrero. Yeah, he was the other one I couldn't think of. Okay, yeah. That one would have been hard to get, I think. But yeah, it was a crazy year because Roddick took out Joker, Rafa, and Lopez and Ferrero in one tournament. I think Federer got beat by Murray in the first round, so it was like an off year or something, and he managed oh, to win the whole okay. tournament. Yeah. Before you um, gave me the Spanish hint, Murray was on my radar. Yeah, he would have been a good guess as well. I th- he, I don't know, I think he lost to Rafa or Djokovic somewhere in the lead up to it so but yeah you know you got to get your weekly andy roddick trivia in um 
that's why I bought Brad Gilbert's book once I saw he was on the cover. So I don't know (laughs) why he's on the cover, but I'm, I'm more interested now in how to win ugly. So see how that goes. That's excellent. You'll have to let me know how that is. Oh, I will check it out. I'm, I'm hoping I get a lot better after reading that. So should be good. Um, Let's do a quick take breakdown on the 2021 Dubai tournament, not the 2008 one. Um, We had Lloyd Harris. We had King Aslan Karatsev. So two Mm -hmm. very unlikely finalists. Um, What was your view on both of these guys lead into the final? And um, what did you make of the Karatsev-Rublev match? Well, I got to say, really impressive by both of these guys because neither of them had an easy path to the final. You know, sometimes some guys can slide to the final by getting lucky draws or withdraws. But, um, you know, Karatsev here, he had to go through Rublev, probably the most informed player on a 20-some-odd match-winning streak in 500s, topping everybody but Roger Federer in, uh, with that record. He also beat Yannick Sinner. Um, Sanego has been playing well, beat him. So, yeah, really impressive. Harris going through team. Nisha Corey, who's been in good form lately. Shapovalov, who had a really, really good tournament. So yeah, kind of crazy. Like you said, was not expecting these two players to make it that far, but they definitely deserve to be there. Um, the, as far as the Karatsev-Rublev game goes, that was I was really excited for that one because they have similar play styles, very heavy ground strokes, big, powerful forehands. Um, Karatsev just... I mean, he he outpaced him almost. He it was it was incredible. I watched the um, I was able to catch the last four ish games of the match. Uh, I saw a little bit of nerves out of Karatsev in that match towards the end, uh, up two breaks, serving for it, drops that game, love forty, but was able to pull it out in the end. Also, one of the things that's been impressing me, at least in this tournament for Karatsev, is. You know, we don't really know a whole lot about him as a player because he kind of shot onto the scene here, but he's been returning really, really well. So that mixed in with his powerful ground strokes. I, he won, I think, in the final here, Harris only won like 17-ish percent of his second serve points, which is, he didn't win a single one in the first set, which is crazy. <laughs> but Krasov just crushing him there in the final. So he's got that this 500 under his belt. And uh, it's good to see him continue his good form. It looks like he's legit. What do you think about him? Yeah, I think it's a really good synopsis. Um, Karatsev in particular had the beauty of the double break in that match. Had he not had the double break in the third set, yeah, I think anything could have happened there. But it was a really impressive tournament from him. It's been crazy, you know, seeing him live in Prague against Stan like a little less than a year ago all the way to this point. I mean... Who could have predicted the run that he's gone on? It's really crazy. So I think, yeah, the things that stand out to me the most about his game are his ability to hit the low percentage shots extremely well, particularly his backhand down the line, which he Mm -hmm. rolls out early on in points where you wouldn't normally expect it. Super low over the net, always lands within a foot of the baseline. It's not, you know, an overly flashy shot, but it's extremely accurate. And I mean... Against Rublev, I had the feeling he, at some point he was pretty much like out Rublev-ing the Rube the Rubeway approach, basically. Like, yeah, he, I mean, it was like Rubeway was playing a mirror at some points of the match, and Karatsev at his best is a player 
very similar to Rublev, but with uh, maybe a better service game, yeah, or a more consistent one, especially on the second serve as well. But also agree that he has a super strong return game. So yeah, I think he's he's got a lot of a lot of chances now. I think if he's playing at his best, there's probably not many players on tour that can beat him. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And for Lloyd Harris, the young South African, I mean, that's also a crazy ride to make it as a qualifier. We're seeing more and more in that, more and more of that so far this year. So I think it's a really good sign. And he also has an extremely solid game. He's a taller guy, left-handed player, I think, right? And um, yeah, I mean, the, the win over team in the beginning, I don't think team was in top form, but it was a warranted win nonetheless. And he really backed it up afterwards. So as as we know now, Karatsev has officially won that match. So congratulations to him. We look forward to watching on in the next couple of weeks. Now we're going to transition uh, to a different continent over to lovely Mexico and Acapulco. And Evan, before we jump into this, I've got some more trivia for you. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so now, of course, Acapulco-related trivia. Question number one. In this year's 2021 draw, there was only one past champion of the Acapulco tournament in the draw itself. Who was this player? Oh, boy. Um, I was just pulling up the draw here, so I'm glad you caught me on it. <laughs> um, Shield your eyes, uh, man. <laughs> um, ah, and I'm not that familiar with it either. It's kind of a tricky one. Is this a tricky one? But but you, um, I'll, I'll give it away if I say this. I'm not going to say it. Well, uh, hold on. Let me... I'm trying to I'm trying to remember who was playing this one and who was playing Dubai. I guess I'll guess yeah. Brownage. It was it was not Brownage. No, oh, but it's a good guess. You were delayed a little bit, so I heard you say yeah. I was like, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a hint. You you picked him as a player to watch for last week. Oh, okay. Well, gosh, I can't even remember what I said yesterday. Um... If I tell you his nationality, it'd be way too obvious. He's the only, it, it may, maybe I'd just say this. He's like one of the only players who's very successful even from this country. Uh, I know it's not Sitsipas, but that fits the bill. It does fit the bill, but it's not Sitsipas. He has not okay. won yet. <laughs> right. I, did not, I didn't think so. The tournament itself has kind of a strange list of winners, honestly, it in the does. last 10 I'm years. I'm trying to yeah. think of the past winners, and what comes to mind is Nadal, Kyrgios, and Query. Exactly. And David Ferrer won it like three times in a row, like 2010 to 2013. It's a, it's a weird list. Yeah. And I would guess them, but none of them played. So. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. OK, he would you like one further hint or will you make a stab in the dark? I'm going to need one more hint. I'm drawing a blank. He he is Bulgarian. Bulgarian. Dimitrov. Exactly. Huh. It's Dimitrov. Okay, I did not realize. Yeah, I, I do remember not talking about it. Yeah, I can't believe that slipped my mind. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I didn't realize he won this tournament. I I also didn't know. I think it, I think it was 2017, or it might have been earlier because I think team was 2016 or something like that. Okay, he did have a really good 2017. I remember exactly. Right. I was uh, I actually mixed up the question when I was writing it because I thought there were two winners in the draw, team and Dimitrov. But like you said, team was in Dubai, not in Acapulco. So it was I was switching the two a lot. It was kind of tricky. But yeah, so Dimitrov was the 
at least according to my analysis, the only past champion of this tournament who was in the draw this week. So quite interesting. You know, not a lot of past winners in there. Um, second question for you, and this one is oh. a little bit more uh, casual. How many times has Acapulco been rated the player's top favorite tournament on tour? So the players vote for their favorite tournaments. How many times has Acapulco won it? Out of all the tournaments? Uh, yes. Like, so like, like how many years? All the how many collective years have they won the player's favorite tournament of the year? Yeah, I will say five. It is not five. I'm guessing it's higher than you would expect. Yes, but it is lower than your first answer. Lower than five. Okay, the first number that came to my head was two. It Twice. is higher than two. Okay, narrowing it down, <laughs> dialing it in, dialing it in, 50-50. <laughs> okay, uh, three. Yes, you got it. Yes. <laughs> Man, I could easily see myself <laughs> missing that. No, answer we were looking for was four. <laughs> four. No, it was yeah. three. So it has been voted the player's absolute favorite tournament on the tour three years out of the, in the last 10 years, let's say. Uh, yeah, like... 14, 17, and 19 or something, it won the award. And that is just a cheap shot headline I won on the ATP or I read on the ATP's website. So how about that? (laughs) (laughs) But with that, let's jump right over into Acapulco. So in the final here, we've got Tsitsipas and we've got Zverev. And on the way, Tsitsipas, he's he's had a great tournament so far. He's playing quite well. He has had wins over Oje Aliasim and Musetti. And Zverev, I'd say those are big wins for Tsitsipas. Zverev says maybe not as big of wins, but still a really good tournament. Hasn't dropped a set. He's had a few faster wins. Um, and yeah, he even had a win over Kupfer in which an earthquake took place during one of the points. Pretty wild. Um, I think he ended up winning the point. So yeah, good for him. Uh, Evan, who the, this final takes place later on today. Um who do you have winning in this Sitsipas and Zverev showdown? Uh, okay, well, hmm. this is a tough one for me because I know Sitsipas has a very commanding head-to-head lead over Zverev. He's actually won, uh, I believe they played five times, and he's won the last four of them. Most all, if not all, coming on hard court. So mm-hmm. that makes me... Also, Stefanos has had... Uh, he's been in good form. Uh, he really crushed Musetti, um, which don't let that fool you. Musetti was playing an incredible tournament, so I think that's more attributed to the form of Sitsipas. But I, I know I said last week that I expected Zverev to come out and have a much better tournament here uh, just because of the early exit in Rotterdam, and he's done just that. So I kind of, my gut made me lean Zverev, although everything in my head says Sitsipas because you know <laughs> it's like a uh, it's like a um rublev medi matchup you know at this point with winning the last four in a row so um there's no reason not to pick Sitsipas, but i i'm gonna go zverev here um he's due for a good win uh so i'll i'll lean with him who do you think in this final sure yeah i think it's a really tough call um i'm gonna go against tank top guy in this one and i'll say Sitsipas wins it my logic being that Tsitsipas has had more tough opponents and tough wins on the way to this one. So I think he might be in a little bit more seasoned form. But um, I also wouldn't be surprised if Zverev, if 
observe, pulls it out. He's got really good game for the conditions there. So does Sitsipas. So I'm I'm just excited to see see that match. I think it's going to be awesome. So now we're going to jump straight into Miami to keep things rolling. As we know, this year we have no big three playing in this one. No Djokovic, no Rafa, no Federer. They've all dropped out of this tournament. Um, pew, pew, pew. And that's a pretty big deal because Djokovic is relatively dominant in this tournament when he plays it. I think he's tied with Andre Agassi on the honor roll for like six total titles in Miami or something like this. He's got quite a good record also recently there. Um, But of course, we still have six top 10 players in the field. Looking at this one, we don't have the draw yet, so it's difficult to speculate on what could or will happen. Um, And I am based on what we're going to get into in the moldy take of the week in the next segment i'm i'm actually not even going to make any kind of player-based <laughs> predictions on this one i refuse to throw something out there because i know i will curse that player and it will be wrong but but i will like would like to do this despite the results in acapulco i'm gonna bet that at least one american player will make it to the semifinals of that event and that is the only prediction i'm putting on the table for miami Evan, you have full flexibility. You can predict whatever you want here. It doesn't have to be a winner. What what would you throw on the table? <laughs> I feel like you're baiting me into a, a moldy pick here. <laughs> well played. He's gonna pick Rublev. He's gonna <laughs> You know I'm picking Rublev. <laughs> I will I uh on principle I will drop Rublev's name here, just so that everybody knows. But uh I'll I'll str- oh. I'll stray away from that just for the sake of not sounding like a broken record. Um, also, Medvedev is in this tournament. I've come to realize that any tournament that Medvedev is in, you don't necessarily want to root for Rublev because at some point they will probably face each other because um, they are just always in the same side of the draw for whatever reason. Yeah, except for your gosh dang Rotterdam bracket. Dang it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, but like every... I saw when I was doing like the Australian Open picks... Um, I saw some people talking about how in the last, like, however many, at least hard court grand slams, they have been in the same quarter. Yeah. And when Rublev plays him, he never, he wins. never, he so doesn't even brutal. take a set off of him. It's not even close. Yeah. So, um, I guess the name that jumps out here is to me a Sitsipas. He's in really good form right now. He is one of those players that along with Medvedev, uh, I, ca- I kind of see him taking the mantle up after the big three. I think he's going to be a solid top three player for years, years to come after they retire um, or at least lose a little bit of form. I mean, he's already up there at uh, five, I believe now, so not far off. Um, but he's he's a name I'm looking at. I think if he loses the Acapulco final, like I am predicting then he's going to come out with a little bit of a little bit more fire in, in terms of uh trying to get this title under his belt so Sitsipas is on my radar I, Medvedev is obviously the favorite here but I just don't want to pick him because he is the favorite I that's just not as fun so uh Rublev on principle Sitsipas on what my gut is telling me I also want I this is no kind of pick but I, I see Berrettini is slated to play in this tournament, and I'm really curious to see what kind of form he will be in because I was excited about him in um, at the Australian Open. However, he unfortunately had some abdominal issues, as like half the field did, so he had to w- withdraw 
um, in his match against Sitsipas in that tournament. So it'll be uh, interesting to see what kind of form he brings here because I expect him to have a much better year this year than last year. Uh, another name I'll I'll throw out really quickly is Chapovalov had a really good Acapulco tournament. So I'll see. Let's see um, if he can carry that momentum into this tournament as well. Okay. So the, yeah, those are sufficient picks. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah. them in there. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's a good redemption quality I, with Sitsipas. <laughs> I was like, uh, so Evan, uh, who do you have picked for this tournament? Well, I like the top five, six, seven, eighth, and ninth player uh, who are all going to be the top seeds in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not bad odds real, for you there. Real good armchair you, you analysis. It well on that one. <laughs> I think you're getting pretty good at positioning yourself for these multi-ticket yeah. weeks. Um, <laughs> That's, you know, try, trying to give yourself a little bit of elbow room in there. Yeah, I just made my. Um, well, I didn't just make it, but a couple of days ago, I made my NCAA March Madness bracket. For those of you listening from the states, oh, you yeah. know what I'm talking about. And I went very chalky with the top one seeds all making it to the final four. So I need to, I need <laughs> to get over that and try to make some more. Um, I don't know, risky picks. Hey, tennis is the place to do it. You're likely to see a wild card and qualifier make it to the final of a ATP 500 tournament. That so is true. This is the land of underdogs right now. I'm all about it. That's totally fine with mm-hmm. me. Okay. Well, those are those are good picks. So we'll see how they play out. I will, uh, Berrettini is also interesting. Yeah. I was just I uh, I wanted to ask you. I know you didn't want to make any picks, so I will not hold this over you. Uh, for the moldy take of the week, but what are so you you like an American to make it to the semifinals? What are some of the Americans you kind of have on your radar in this tournament? Or I guess, or do you know who's playing? Yeah, I'd have to check and see which exact ones are playing it. I assume there's a, a all of them because they're all like mm-hmm. basically living there. Um, mm-hmm. da, da, da. And so I don't know if I'm I'm assuming the classics like Opelka, Paul, Tiafo, mm-hmm. maybe Nakashima is an up and comer. Korda are Korda playing it. Me, yeah. yeah, I'm wondering about that too, or if he has to come through qualifiers still. I don't I don't think so at this point. Um, other than that, you've got Isner. I don't know. It depends on his draw, right? I mean, he might not be in good position to make it. I'm not sure. But I, I, I won't even make a pick on it. I just think one of them will make it. Okay. I just think one <laughs> of them will make it. I, I honestly can't tell you which one it will be because Tiafo got beat by Musetti. Right. Tommy Paul lost in the first round. Riley Opelka lost in the first round mm-hmm. of the last multiple tournaments. <laughs> so I'm just saying that one of them's going to make it, and I don't know which one it's going to be. They do. The Americans do tend to play well here. You know, they got the home court advantage. So um, that's definitely respectable, I think. There's a good chance of that. I know Isner plays really well here, so maybe Opelka. He does, baby it's true. Isner He's even got well. a win here before. So Yeah, yeah. Just a yeah, couple years possible. ago. Yeah, kind of like a late career. Probably the biggest title he's got. I mean, it was a yeah, huge win. It was it awesome. Is. So, yeah. That's as far as I'm willing to go. And we didn't we didn't touch briefly. I'd really like to hear your thoughts if you have uh, the two minutes to say something about this rankings topic. I was going there with Berrettini because mm. um, he's had some good results, but he's also he's still hanging in the top rankings because he had some really good results in the past. And there were these comments from Zverev. I think you mentioned also um, who is the other player? Rublev, who had, Rublev made some or comments. someone else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, I mean, the basic challenge is. Because of the coronavirus and the pandemic, the ATP decided to suspend or freeze certain ranking points, holding people in uh, particular positions. And Zverev is the comments I've read in more detail. He came out. Who, I mean, he is actually a pretty 
good friends or connection with Roger Federer. They've done like the charity tours and stuff together before. But he said specifically, you know, he's feels that he's made multiple finals in the past year and that he's had really good results. And Roger, of course, was injured the whole time. So Zverev's not really understanding, you know, why why the ranking freeze is still in place. Um, what's your take on, on this topic? Yeah, um, I don't have a huge opinion or a big take on this one. It is interesting to see, though. And I, I definitely get where they're coming from because... Here, and I'll quote this from Zverev. I am the biggest Roger Federer fan, but he has not played for a year, and he is higher ranked than me. I played a Grand Slam final and a Masters 1000 final. The system is just a bit of disaster, unquote. And I think that's kind of a valid, because Roger Federer did take 14 months off, and Zverev did have a really good run last year, making it to the U.S. Open final, making it to the Paris final. Uh, so he should have been collecting a lot of points out of there. And then also um, Rublev, I'll pull up the quote from him, quote, if we would have a normal system, I would be like number four in the world, I think. So what do you think is better for me to be number eight or number four, unquote. So I, I definitely get where they're coming from. I think, you know, with Rublev, he's been winning a ton here early in the year and he's still ranked eight which I kind of feel for the guy, you know what I mean? Like he continues to win, but he doesn't continue to climb in the rankings. And that in turn gives him um, bad draws or a little more difficult draws in the tournaments to come. So, um, but it's a sticky situation because it does help other players who are also affected by the way that uh, the virus has affected the, the ATP tour. So it's kind of... You know, it's just a system of trade-offs. Um, but yeah, I it definitely, I guess I would say maybe it needs to be looked at again because they don't un, they don't go back to the normal ranking system till August, I believe. So there's still quite a bit of time, including two Grand Slams that are going to be in here as well. And if it's de-incentivizing some of these guys to play tournaments such as Miami, now we see Federer... Um, Djokovic, Nadal, team. I'm not saying they pulled out for this reason, but there's less incentive for them to play it on top of other reasons. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I get where they're coming from. I think maybe it needs to be reevaluated. I don't have any kind of answer as to what needs to be done, but uh, yeah, I guess that's my that's my opinion. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, it is an interesting repercussion from the whole pandemic problem. Um and the, the, I don't know. The only issue I take with such comments, um, Zverev's more direct. I think Rublev is kind of responding also to direct questioning. Is um, yeah, it's always like the hindsight 2020 issue. You know, like they, they decided to do this at one point because I think in the end, yeah, it does end up benefiting these top guys who aren't playing at all. Um, unfairly, I think I would agree with that. But it also helps a lot of players further down the ranking lines who don't have the cash or the wherewithal to be able to travel all over the place during right. such conditions. Right. Um, and, you know, to maintain the ranking, which is so hard to keep up with if you're between top 100, top 500 in the world. We know mm -hmm. this is already a problem elsewhere in tennis. Um, so I don't know. It, it's a little bit of a strange thing to me that Zverev's that concerned about it. I do. I get it's unfair. I totally agree with that. Um but I also think, I mean, it, 
at some point, it's kind of like, look, man, like Medvedev, he's climbing in the rankings. He had a good 2019, meaning he had a basis. Zverev also had a good 2019, meaning he had a basis. The difference is Medvedev has made it further and he wins tournaments. So he right. gets to go up higher in the rankings. So right. I don't know. For me, it's like the, the math is there. It's clear. It's not like it's it was rigged, but they made a decision to include some points from 2019. They keep it going. And if you're going to do that, then, of course, the big three are going to have some advantage because they have a massive advantage in all of tennis because they win more. So if you want to be higher in the rankings, even in these weird conditions, then sorry, but not just making the finals. you got to win the finals and you got to make it that far. So it's a, it's a tough scenario. Like I, did, I, I get why they think it's unfair. I also agree that certain parts of it are unfair, but um there are other players who are making it work, you know, and they don't say squat about it. So true. maybe if he didn't wear a tank top, I don't know. He might have a different view on it. I'm just not sure. I do. I, I do feel a little more sympathetic. I'm going to come off as like the biggest Rublev fan of all time, but I feel a little more sympathetic for Rublev <laughs> because he's been like on this tear early this year. Um, when actually winning tournaments, to your point, is he's taking home titles not just making it to finals and losing things like that exactly yeah so uh, yeah and then yeah exactly. I, I would argue yeah. that zverev has been more benefited from this system than rublev has is i guess what i'm trying to get at but uh, still valid points from both guys so right and i mean then if you if you dig into you know the internet comments I think Zverev's got a lot more hate than love coming oh, in this direction yeah. <laughs> because Zverev also has he's got a controversial personal background, you know, with this whole scenario. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you're if you're going to take the step into criticizing comments, then you you got to make sure you're doing that in a context where you come out favorable unless you want to be, you know, one of the villains in tennis, which I don't think Zverev does. I don't think that really fits what he's doing. So th- there's some guys who do it intentionally is my point. So it'll. Be, I'm wondering how this will turn out, you know, once the ranking system is unfrozen and things roll through, because then it's going to have massive changes again, right? Then the guys who have been propped oh, up, yeah. like Federer is going to drop big time after that. But oh, yeah. when he made his comeback three years ago, he was also outside the top 10 at that point, And, you know, he, he made do. So I don't know. My thing is, if, if you want to change it, then you got to either go to the ATP Players Council or Djokovic's new tennis union, and you got to try and fix it that way. Because random comments just saying you don't like it while you're still, you know, a multimillionaire and in the top 10, like, it's not yeah. that bad. So <laughs> I wonder what will happen next. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. All right. So now the final segment, we've got Moldy Take of the Week. So, Evan, you had a remarkably good podcast last week, I would say. Essentially, you know, following your common theme here, you predicted very good results for Rublev, and we can't even fault you for that, honestly, because he made it to the final. And I think our benchmark last week was who will make it, you know, like to the tail end of the tournament, not who will win it or something. And there I made a very small bet that Fritz might have a chance. He got destroyed by Rublev, so it didn't happen. Um, Rublev ends up not winning the tournament, loses to Karatsev, like we've already discussed, but that's the only thing we've got on the list for you, which means you're probably not going to take it because I made some stronger comments about team for sure making it further. He lost in the first round. I also said that Kevin Anderson would have good results in Acapulco and then he didn't even play. And I couldn't even find good information on the internet about why he didn't play. But I think he was one of those outdated photos on the ATP website and I was unprepared just looking at the tournament preview 
and said, oh, Anderson is in there. <laughs> Sounds good. I bet he would do well at this tournament. Didn't even play, so that's not good. Um, then we had Raonic. No no deep result. He ended up losing to Musetti, I think, um, which in this tournament, you know, is actually not something to snob at. The guy was playing amazing, but not the result I had predicted. And I also had and sort of communicated that Tsitsipas and Zverev might have been in a funk or were coming off of weird scenarios in their last tournaments. They're both in the finals. They look totally fine. Um, so I pretty much got four nominations on there. The unfinished business, as always, is Dirks Bentley for creating that song. And um, <laughs> Zverev's tank top, which is kind of like a dead horse. We're hitting on that a lot at this point. But he's still wearing it. He's still Three wearing tournaments it. in a I row. The guy's still it. wearing that tank top outfit. And Mexico, okay, th- if this is anything, that would be the one thing I got right, is I think I bet that he would wear it you again. Did. But who wouldn't bet that someone would wear a tank top in Mexico? Everyone would bet that, so it's not really that good. What I'm hoping is that I heard Michael Moe is going to be playing Miami, or he's he'll be in the qualifying. He got a wild card in the qualifier or something like he that. He is. So there is a chance he we could is. have a battle of the tank tops here, and I am all for it. Me too, man. Because that's they've made the tank top for that guy, not for Zverev. I'm exactly. almost convinced of that. So <laughs> no, but it seems to be working well for Zverev. He's been playing quite well as it is. So I was just wrong on that. Um. Yeah, so if the jury was going to deliberate on this one, I, you you don't really even have a nomination. And unless we're going to break precedent and give it to Unfinished Business, which I don't <laughs> think we're doing at this point, then I take Moldy Take of the Week again this week um, for take your pick, any of the, <laughs> just as a the collective. four dumb things I said last week. Yeah, I'll just take it for all of them. It's no problem, which puts me ahead in the count, three to two. Still pretty close. I mean, we're, you know, it's good competition. It's good sport, what we got going on here. Yep. So it's no problem. I'm honored to take it once again. In the outline, I got a little emoji of some moldy bread. So, you know, <laughs> now we have like a mascot for this thing. We've got a mascot. Great. Yeah. We did. You did say that Fritz, um, we both kind of said we liked Fritz to beat Vasilashvili, and he did. So... Um, that's true. He did win that. That was a collective win for the the changeover. changeover. Yeah, that's true. Maybe we should put like both of us in a column here too. We could have, uh, (laughs) we usually agree on, we could have another segment following moldy take called, uh, changeover wins (laughs) just to pat ourselves on the back. So we don't feel so bad. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think it'd be great to put that in the mix. Why not? (laughs) I certainly could use it. We'll, we'll workshop it next time. Maybe. And one of these days, it's going to unfinished business. One of these days. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get all the calls right, and we're going to have to give it to an inanimate object or <laughs> another is, person who has nothing to do with tennis. <laughs> that is the official goal for the Changeover podcast. 100 plays and unfinished business taking the moldy take of the week because there's nothing else. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So if you smiled, chuckled, or even grinned at one point throughout this podcast, give us a rating. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening to it. And even if you didn't enjoy the rest of it, then please don't do any of that. And uh, just forget you ever heard <laughs> please. <this>. So, Thanks. <laughs> Let us know if there's anything else you want to hear about, too. Uh, we love doing this. It's just for fun. And um, we want it to be a people's podcast. So uh, if there's something you want to hear us talk about or something you think would be fun to do on the podcast, let us know in the comments. Exactly. We're very flexible. We're not in this for the money. Clearly. We, clearly. Well, we don't. <laughs> We don't make any money on this, so (laughs) (laughs) we never will. (laughs) You don't even have to worry about that. You will hear no ads from us until Tennis Clash sponsors our podcast. That's it. We will take Tennis Clash as a sponsor. 
for all you Tennis Clash uh, executives listening right now. Yeah, I will also take a payment in the terms of gems on Tennis Clash terms. Ooh. If you give me some gems to use to upgrade my rackets, then I'd be all for that. Nice. They'll never do that. It's fine. <laughs> They'll never do that. Didn't you say something about Big Judy booties, Big Booty big Judies or something like that Judy. in our text thread? <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You're like, my, oh, my man, sooner you start hanging out. <laughs> man, I always have the best You're takes like... when we're just texting back and forth and we're not recording on the podcast. But yes, <laughs> I know. I was laughing to myself. <laughs> I was watching a little bit of so the funny. Sinner Karatsev match. And... and um. I just noticed the disparity in the leg size of King of the Calves with Karatsev and um, <laughs> Sinner. He seemed to be losing his legs a little bit in the third set there. Um, and you could tell. And he's had that happen to him before. But yeah, he needs to get in the he weight has, room. He has. That's true. He needs to get in the weight room with some of these big booty Judies in uh, Team and Sitchapas <laughs> and Nadal. You <laughs> could show him a couple of good squat workouts, calf raises. Here's what you do, man. Eat an entire plate of spaghetti and then work in the leg room for four hours. <laughs> nothing nothing but steak. You want 200 grams of protein. Minimum. Nothing but squats. <laughs> Big booty Judy routine. Big booty Judy. That'll be uh, unfinished business next week. Big booty Judy. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's something I gotta have in there. Have some self-defense. So I don't lose three weeks in a row. Alrighty then. We will spare you guys from the rest of the Big Booty Judy talk. But as always, thank you again for joining us here on the Changeover Podcast. So glad you listened, and we hope to see you on the next one. Take care.